years. As long as you get married. I need that wedding. I need some beauty and some music and some place cards before I die. I saw that going differently in my mind. You know what's wrong with you? No, what? Welcome to The Dating Debrief. I'm your host, Thomas Tucker. Here we try to provide a safe environment for people to share their experiences with looking for love and intimacy. I interview people of all walks of life on this show, and while I neither condone nor condemn their behavior, the purpose is to share their stories with the rest of you so we can all better understand one another. This podcast endeavors to create a safe and respectful LGBTQIAC loving space where we listen with love and respect to people of all races, faiths, walks of life, sexual preferences and identities, and where we stress consent, understanding, respect for others, and love between all people. This podcast may contain profanity or descriptions of triggering events as we explore some of the trauma that some of our guests have experienced. Remember, you can stop listening at any time. Please help us provide an ongoing, supportive, and soul-searching environment to delve deeper into people's personal experiences with dating, frustrations, celebrations, challenges, and learn a little bit about how others are looking for love and long-term romantic connection. Welcome back to The Dating Debrief. This is part two of our episode with Jose and the stunning conclusion of his story of escaping a toxic marriage holding on to hope, never giving up his dreams of having a family life, and his miraculous discovery of new love. Just to bring you up to speed, we last left Jose after he made a lengthy post to a Craigslist personals section for Manila in the Philippines for the ideal companion. And after that post, he went to bed, woke up the next day, and had hundreds of replies. After systematically going through each one of those replies in a respectful manner and responding to each one, he landed upon someone that he just could not stop talking to. There was so strong of a connection. Their communication continued day after day. And now, part two. Yeah, I mean, first, you know, I would uh, kind of... You know, I've, I replied to everybody just because I'm that kind of guy. And, you know, if, if I'm going to have 300 emails to reply to, then I'm going to have 300 emails to reply to. Um, but, the you know, the ones that didn't have strong written grammar um, were the kind of ones that, that got scratched off first. But there was still a lot that I kept talking to. Um, my wife was actually... You know, one of the first ones that had responded that night. Um, and we had just, we kept talking. And maybe, you know, after 
a week or so. You know, she was pretty much the only one that I kept talking to um, just because we had, uh, you know, we she had, we're both nurses. She was really easy to talk to. Um, it was kind of like pandemic dating before the pandemic. You know, we did a lot of Skyping um, and talking and email and calling on Viber. And uh, it was, it was nice talking to someone um without it was it was just it was really safe it was a really safe way to talk to someone and get to know someone um without you know the rest of you know what complicates relationships and uh you know being around someone for too long or you know I don't know. I don't know how to say it, but it was, it was definitely change and change. Like I said, is what I'm used to. Um, so I was really, really getting into it. Well, it seems like it really gave you time to find and let bubble up the conversational partner with whom you really related. And you just kept talking to people until there was only this one standout individual that, that you kept connecting with. And then that would give you time to get to know each other, talk about a variety of subjects. And every time you show up for each other and talk to each other, it helps reinforce that they're going to show up again, that they're interested. A lot of these anxieties, a lot of, a lot of the stress around, around getting to know somebody starts to come down. It's a very safe way to talk to them. Plus, at the same time, you're removing all of the physical. You're not engaging in sex or intimacy like really fast. You're letting true intimacy build where you develop trust and you start to care about each other without introducing a lot of the things that Americans just rush into. So at some point... I'm sure you're talking and, and Skyping and, and you want more. When did you start to realize that this is not just an ongoing conversation? This is a potential relationship. You know, it, it actually really didn't take long at all. Um, and I can, I can feel a lot of the walls that I had put up, you know, start kind of dissolving away. Um, and I felt like uh, that, you know, that marriage, that idea I had of a marriage before, you know, started, you know, kind of reappearing into my future. There's this idea in modern American culture where you're supposed to go and fix all of your personality flaws and all of your insecurities and do all of your work and read all the books on attachment theory and love languages and everything else and be in complete secure attachment and then go meet someone. But it seems to me that it's possible to connect with someone and through the love and caring and compassion of the process of getting to know them and the process of that discussion, help heal yourself and heal each other. And it seems like that's part of what happened with you and your new wife. Yeah, um, she she definitely did a lot of healing for me, um, talking with her, um, going over my experiences and everything that's happened to me. 
I still had a lot more healing to go through, and she was there for it, um, and she definitely helped me along the way. Meanwhile, how was she feeling still living in the Philippines and with you here? Uh, was there was there loneliness? Was there a desire to be in the same physical space? Was she just living her life and you were living your life, but then you would connect and, and talk and be a big part of each other's days? How, how was the distance? How was the distance treating you? Well, at that point, you know, I had kind of isolated myself. Um, that's what I was used to was the isolation. So I really didn't have a lot going on. Um, and she was kind of the same way. She was separated from her family because she was working in Manila. Um, her family was um, further away. You know, Manila pays more, so that's where she was working. So she was separated from, you know, all of her family. And she was just had her, like her workmates. Um, so she was, we just, we both had a lot of time to talk with each other. And that's what we did. Our free time was talk to each other. So you really made each other a priority of your days and you were spending a lot of time talking to each other each day. Yeah. You know, without that physical aspect of the relationship, uh, we just, we spent a lot of time talking with each other. I've noticed that a number of the relationships that I see that have been successful and where the limerence turns into actual love. The the romance uh, has staying power. Uh, a true relationship, uh, companionship forms. They have had a strong dialogue from the beginning. It it looks like they meet, start dating, but even from the beginning, they're talking on a daily basis. Couples are are. Um, communicating a lot. Th these days, a study was recently done uh, where a, a group of researchers followed uh, about 20 individuals around and watched their behavior and the individuals between the ages of uh, 18 and 65. And they watched their behavior with their cell phones. And they observed how long people waited to text someone back. And then they tried to analyze how much anxiety that produced in the people in their lives that were waiting to to receive a text back and they found out that 20 minutes is really the longest period of time before people start to be um afraid that the other person isn't going to reply or they start to think that it's rude it, so like there's this 20 minute time period in in the united states right now where it's like if you think I'm important, you'll get back to me within 20 minutes. And some people have looked at these studies and say, that's incredibly unhealthy and people are way too attached to their phones. But I hear these stories about blossoming romances where they can't stop talking to each other. And that doesn't seem like an outlier. It seems more like a healthy identifier of two people who really enjoy each other's company. Yeah, that sounds pretty correct. So you would just visit throughout the day. You'd wake up, message, uh, do your do your work, whatever. But but you were playing pretty large roles emotionally as well as in just terms of spending time in each other's lives on a day to day basis. Yeah, and you know it's I liked it a lot. And you know it's not like all my dating because eventually you 
that pressure to, you know, meet and date and have that face-to-face meeting, you know, it's, it's inevitable, but, you know, when someone is halfway across the planet, that's completely taken off the table. Um, and you can just actually sit there and just communicate and ask questions, you know, it's, it's definitely a lot more awkward. Um, that first date face to face talking to each other when you've only been talking for like a week or two weeks, but you know, you spend months talking to someone, you know, how easy they are to talk to and, you know, you know, how happy they are to talk to you after they've been working and you haven't had a chance to, to talk throughout the day. And, you know, I go home and send her a message and start, start Skyping and talking to each other. And it was, it was very comfortable. At what point did you decide I need to see her in person? And how did that, how did that play out? Um, it didn't take too long. Um, you know, I had some more money saved up. So I decided, you know, it was, it was, I was due for an adventure um, in my life. And, you know, going to the Philippines um, was definitely an adventure. Did you go straight to Manila and meet her? Or did you fly in and spend some time on your own? No, I, I flew in. Um, I've, I had to see her right away. Um, that was one of the first people I wanted to see as soon as I got to Manila. So they're not allowed. It's not like here where you can meet someone at departures. Um, and I kind of wish I had done, I'd studied it a little bit more, um, before actually going there, but, you know, planning things has never been my strong suit. So I'm, I'm kind of like a spur of the moment, um, type of person. So I bought my plane tickets to fly there. Uh, I flew there, uh, pretty, pretty long flight, uh, going from where I've. I fly to, flew out of Houston, Houston to Hawaii, then Hawaii to Manila. How long is that flight? About 14 hours? Uh, yeah, probably, probably about 14. So you were in the air. Well, you were in route, uh, for at least 14 hours. What was going through your mind on the way there, were you, were you nervous? Were you, uh, and just really anticipating seeing her? What was, what was going through your mind? Yeah. I mean, I was definitely had a lot of anticipation. Um, you know, it's kind of looking at it kind of like a, not very like nervous, but kind of like a new chapter of my life that I was excited mm. to start. Yeah. Were you, were you at all worried that, you would get there and meet in person and it wouldn't feel the same. No, no. At this point I was, I was pretty much convinced um, that I was going to have a good time. Um, See, I landed in Manila. Um, I was a little confused um, leaving the airport. Um, There's, there's always someone to help you in Manila, but, um, they mainly just are looking to get tipped out some money. So I found a guy uh, to kind of help me 
navigate the airport and, and back to where people are waiting for departures. <laughs> I'd stopped an ATM first to pull out some some Filipino peso because I didn't I left with there with only American money and uh, I was too shy I guess to to go to the teller to to change up my currency so I went to the ATM to to get my money and they they spit out like uh, 500 pesos I think is no they're spitting out 1,000 dollar pesos. Um, which is like 20 bucks. And then I had stopped and I had uh, purchased a uh, like a SIM card with uh, with load on it. And I had borrowed someone's cell phone to call her to tell her that I was already there. And she told me that she was out waiting. So I found a guy to help me um, with my bags and stuff to, to go out to where she was. Um, and actually, I gave the guy like 500 pesos because at this point, you know, I have I have no idea what the proper tip amount was, and uh, I found out later on down the road that they they usually expect like 50 pesos, so I gave him 500. But he's well, he's also bringing that. you to the person that that, so, that is the new love of your life. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so, yeah I, I exit the airport and she's there waiting for me. I saw her right away. Um, and we definitely hugged and kissed, and it was um, long overdue, is what it was, for sure. And she had a bunch of her friends there, which was a little awkward too, because I didn't know any of them. But you know, I really didn't care. So you see her, <laughs> you rush to her, you guys embrace and and you kiss, and you see the friends. Is it time to meet the family? What What do you do? Um, no, she actually didn't tell her family yet um, that I was even going there. Because, like I said, it's a, it's an old way of thinking. Um, there's, I don't think that she was particularly sure um, how they would react to it. So they they actually didn't know uh, that I was there at the beginning. Did you get a hotel in Manila? We did. We stayed a a night or two in Manila before. Um, we set off to an, an island called Bohol in the Philippines. It's absolutely beautiful, beautiful island. Um, crystal clear water, white sand beaches, you know, thousands of like starfish in the water. Um, it was absolutely amazing. And, you know, I've been to the Philippines uh, quite a few times afterwards. Um, but, you know, I've, I've never found a place like that. I don't know if it was just, you know, the way I think about it, because that's the first place I went um, with my wife after we had met. Because she says that the first place we went together to was Manila. I was like, no, the first place we went together was Bahol. You were already in Manila. I didn't go to, we didn't go to Manila together. We went to Bahol together. So I always want to go back there. It's, it's kind of always in the back of my mind, that trip that we had spent over there. So your first date together really was kind of a honeymoon. You you meet in Manila, you <laughs> you go to this gorgeous hotel, and you're immediately off to an island. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty fantastic. Like I said, it was an adventure. Is is what I was planning for, and it was definitely an adventure. Is what I got. How long were you there? Uh, I think we were there for a week and a half, two weeks. 
And how, how long did you have before you had to fly back to the United States? Let's see. I'm trying to think. We spent a couple days in Manila, maybe two weeks back in Bahol. And then I think we spent another week in Manila again for a few days um, before I went back. What was it like having to leave? Well, I had already proposed to her when I was in Bohol. Really? Yeah, I already knew. I already knew at that point. Um, after after the physical encounter, the face to face, you know, everything that we had done while we were talking, it all just emerged to a new level, and all of that carried over. And there wasn't a point when I was with her where I didn't want to be with her, and I knew that. Uh, this was, I don't know, kind of like my reward for enduring such a terrible merge before. This is what a true partner looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Did you buy a ring before you got on the plane to go? No. No, I'd end up uh, buying a ring while I was in Bahal. Did you sneak away? <laughs> Uh, yeah, kind kind of something like that, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's like our our last uh, night in the resort. Um, they do this thing where they will uh, take a picture um, with the staff, and they'll post it on their Facebook. So they'll take a series of pictures, um, kind of like you know the couple by themselves. And then, you know, like a picture with like a staff and maybe another picture. So I already talked to them ahead of, ahead of time to, you know, take a picture with us by ourselves. And then, you know, to keep taking pictures until, you know, I proposed to her. So she wasn't expecting it at all. How did she react? What happened? Yeah, I mean, she was definitely, you know speechless and happy and blushing. Hmm. And I'm, I'm assuming she said yes. Oh yeah, definitely. So you were engaged by the time you came back to Manila to fly home. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to let that chance slip away. It's just, we got along so well. Our chemistry was there. Um, everything that I was looking for was there. So I thought, you know, why why risk it by not proposing? You know, she was already everything that I was that I I lucked into it, everything that I was had been looking for here in the United States. And on my first try, you know, I found exactly what I wanted in the Philippines. Wow. When you left and got on the plane and got back to the United States. Did you just pick right back up where you left off, but now even more secure in your relationship? Did you start making plans? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely the first uh, month or so was definitely a lot more somber, you know, because we did miss each other right away. And, you know, after we had that, you know, physical encounter that's uh i really needed to have her back into my life 
So I flew back in early May. Um, and in June is when I started filing the process um, to bring her over on fiancé visa. I did it all myself. There's uh, several um, website resources, visajourney.com. Um, that'll show you step-by-step -step instruction, everything that you have to do to do it yourself. Because I think an immigration lawyer wanted like two grand. I was like, hey, you know what? I'm a smart guy. I can probably figure this out myself. I'm one of those that wants to try it first. You know, I'll try to fix my car first before I take it to the mechanic. And the mechanic's like, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> how long is it? How long was it between when you first went to Manila that you got to go back? I, I didn't go back. She came back over here. Well, no, I take that back. I did go back. I went back to, to pick her up um, to bring her back. So I made another trip after um, everything was approved. Um, so I went to the first time I went was in April. Um, I filed the paperwork in June and it was already approved by December. So December I flew back over there um, to bring her back. And that's when I met her family. Um, but you were apart for kind six, of like you were apart for six months. Yeah, yeah, six months. Yeah, what what did the relationship look like during the those six months? Well, it kind of reverted back to um, talk to each other um, through Skype and Viber all the time, kind of back where we left off um, before I left the first time. Do you think that? if your foundation and your core value alignments hadn't been there from all of the time that you spent talking with each other on Skype and Viber before you went down there, if, if all of that hadn't existed, do you think you could have weathered that six months? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, we definitely built up a pretty good foundation um, talking to each other beforehand and then, uh, you know, strengthening that, um, when I went there to the Philippines, um, you know, to embrace and kiss. And so when I came back, it was already a pretty strong relationship that we had had. Uh, so, I mean, in six months, um, I'm thankful that it was, it was that quick. Um, but you know, six months, you know, I probably could have waited six years. Yeah. So, I mean, six months is nothing when you've already found your person and yeah. when their, when their behavior is consistent, when you're still talking every day and, and they've already said, yes, I, I choose you for the rest of my life. Six, I mean, six months is nothing. Yeah, that's right. So you got to go back and meet her family and celebrate. Yeah, you know, I went there and you know asked for her father's blessing in like the old, the old way, the old style, and uh, you know meet all of her family and her uncles and tour around her the island where she's from. Was she um, sad meet to the people? Was she sad to leave the Philippines and come to the United States? Was uh, she was she nervous yeah. about living in the United States? How did she feel about moving? 
I mean, she was definitely nervous, you know, change wasn't something that, that she was used to. Um, and it flowed naturally for me, uh, you know, growing up, moving all over the place and then joining the army and, uh, you know, I always look at my life as different chapters and each chapter has like a different story to it. Kind of like, you know, the movie office space that just has a complete plot twist halfway through the movie. Um, that, that wasn't, um, her case. Um, she's definitely, uh, had a lot of emotions, um, starting this chapter, new chapter of her life. Um, she was excited to be with me, but, you know, in return, she was kind of leaving everything that she had known about. It's a completely different lifestyle over here. Um, everything is, is completely different. How did you go about really showing up for her and being the partner that she needs and that she needed then during that transition? Uh, you know, I tried to be with her um, as much as I could, um, you know, bringing her over here. Uh, I had an apartment on 620. But at that time, you know, I'd already made two trips to the Philippines in one year. So I was already you know, running out of money. So I couldn't, uh, take a lot of time off from work. Um, I have pretty much had to go back to work right away. Um, and I felt bad for her being over here and having to leave her to go to work. But, uh, she, uh, is new here. She didn't really know anybody. It was definitely really hard on her, uh, being over here, but right away, um, we went to the social security office to get her the, her social security card. And, uh, she actually met another woman there from the Philippines and they're still very good friends to this day. So it was kind of like her, her, uh, I guess gateway getting into normalized in this country. So she started making friends because, as soon as you went to the social security office. Yeah. <laughs> it's like any, anyone that looked like they might've been from the Philippines she was talking to, you know, <laughs> that includes some Hispanic people too. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely an adventure, um, for her being over here. And it was, it was, you know, kind of an adventure for me also having her here with me. What did she need most in order to really settle into her own in a new country and a new place? Did she want to go back to work? Did she want to fix up the apartment and nest? Like whenever I move, I, I always set up my TV first. I, I want to nest. I, I want to create a comfortable space for myself. What, what helped her feel at home other than your, you and the consistency of your, of your feelings and your love for her? Yeah, I mean, she definitely wanted to nest and, you know, she had moved into an, a bachelor's apartment. So, you know, I didn't have any like decorations or um, a lot of stuff. So um, she had that and she did want to work right away. Um, it took us a little while to get her uh, uh, the documents that she needed to work. Um, she definitely wanted to meet other people from the Philippines. Um, and at that time I was working at a place that didn't have 
actually anyone from the Philippines. So there was no one that I was still talking to um, that was from the Philippines. My friend Conrad had already moved to California um, by that point. So there was um, a Filipino restaurant um, kind of down the ways on Anderson Mill um, that I would take her to, but it's mostly kind of like older people um, that go there. So it did take a while to her to kind of finally meet some people, um, start getting into her own. But there's definitely a lot of struggles um, along the way. Uh, you know, some problems, but, you know, it, they paled in comparison um, to the problems I had in my first marriage. You know, by that point. Ah. I felt like that uh, I already been exposed to the worst that could possibly happen to me. So it's just all, you know, downhill from there. You'd already been through the worst and you survived. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, you survived and then found true connection and flourished. Oh, absolutely. Have there been fights? Um, there's, there's, yeah, I mean, we have our fights. Um, we have our disagreements. But there's not there's not a single day that goes by where I regret um, the decisions I've made uh, in the past six years, seven years. What have been some of the the greatest joys of of your marriage over the last six years? Um, you know, of course, there's uh, having a child together. Um, just being with each other, um, watching her uh, fill her goals, you know, transitioning her RN degree from Philippines, you know, being an RN over here. Uh, she just, she really makes me proud every single day. You really have found your forever person, and now oh yeah, there's all all those walls that I had built up before. I mean, they've all um, have been completely melted away. All those um, insecurities that I had in the back of my mind, uh, everything that you know I thought wasn't possible um, became possible. You know, when I was married to my first wife, you know, I was always trying to monitor her and see what she was doing. Because I would still catch her, you know, talking to other guys and this and that. And it was uh, just, you know, mentally exhausting um, trying to make this work. And now, you know, it's, uh, you know, a, a carefree marriage, you know. I don't have to worry about anything. Uh it's uh, stress-free, a, a lot less stress, um, you know, it's, and all these things that I have, all these coping skills um, that I had built up over the years, they're all, you know, gone, you know, I hardly drink, I still drink, um, but not, you know, I can go out and function without, you know, I can go to the circus or you know, the baseball game and, you know, actually enjoy myself. You know, she, 
really did a, a lot of work on me, you know. I don't just stay in my room and play video games all day. I hardly, in fact, I don't, I used to, you know, game a lot. You know, I was on the Xbox all the time. You know, I don't have an Xbox One, and I haven't turned on my 360 in like you know, a year and a half, probably. So, like I said, all these coping skills that I had built up over the years, I don't, I don't have any need for them anymore. I can now fill my day with uh, just being happy. You know, I don't have to look for ways to make myself happy. I'm just, I just am. It seems like the childhood fantasy and the, the dream of growing old with someone and having that family, having that rich family dynamic and, and family holidays and a warm fire, even though we live in Texas and the whole grandkids and everything it seems like that entire dream has been reborn. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm not pouring myself into my job all the time. You know, now I can just work my three days a week and be at home four days a week. I spend time with my family and uh, just, just enjoy myself and the people around me. It's a pretty dramatic and beautiful story. Thank you for being so courageous and fearless in telling it and so loving in your conveying of all the details. Thank you for sharing all of this amazing stuff with me and with anybody who listens to this podcast. You're welcome, man. You're like my the oldest friend that I have, so. Yeah. You know, throughout all the change in my life, I guess you're one of the the constants. Yeah, we don't we don't decide the families that we're born into, but I firmly believe that we decide the families that we build up over time. And uh, I don't think I could have made it through sobriety without your friendship. I certainly don't think I would have survived the last 20 years. And I've been very fortunate to have you in my life. And it's one of the great joys of my life to see you happy, especially after all of the trauma and the terrible things that have come into your life over the years. And I think the thing that we want most for the people that we love the most is for them to be seen for who they actually are for them to be heard and for them to feel loved and safe. And the fact that you have this partner who has your back unconditionally and you have this safe space and this healing love in your life is beautiful. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. You're very lucky. Do you have any advice for people who are in toxic relationships uh, or people who feel like they're just never going to find love on how they can take some time to heal like you did and then turn it around 
because at no point during this story have you agreed to be a passive victim. You've always let yourself feel the wounds, feel the hurt, and then gotten back up and proactively done something about it. Is there any part of that that you can share with other people? Yeah, I mean, just uh, keep keep working on yourself. Um, heal. Make sure you take the time to heal yourself. And uh, like I said, if you shouldn't have to lower your standard um, to saddle. I mean, those, what you're looking for is out there, uh, and you just need to find it. If if you can't find someone um, to meet your standard, you just have to, to change where you're looking. You know, you don't have to look, not necessarily looking in a different country, um, but obviously you can, and not just the Philippines, just all over the world. I mean, there's, you know, billions of people in this world. Who says that we have to look for them, you know, right around us? Um, but even then, just kind of open up to, you know, other states or other cities in Texas. Um, if you can't find what you're looking for here. Or at least, you know, change bars or something. <laughs> Maybe hit... Maybe hit up North Austin instead of South Austin, you know. <laughs> See what's going on in San Marcos. <laughs> if you can't find what you're looking for, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just keep looking. Yeah. No. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just change the parameters of your search. True love can come around for anyone. Sometimes you just have to change the parameters of your search. Thank you for joining us for Dating Debrief for this episode with Jose and the stunning conclusion of his story. Please follow us on whatever podcasting service you prefer. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. You can find us just about anywhere these days. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or just get in touch with me, send me an email at show at thedatingdebrief.com.